Don't you wanna die happy with a smile on your face? Wake up a laughing, <laughs> cause you're free of all the things that would hold you from your ocean view. Life's a landscape, why don't you bathe in your Hello, John. How are you? Oh, waiting for what's ahead. <laughs> Always or just in this particular conversation? Yeah, well, in particular, this, <laughs> this particular moment. <laughs> well, I appreciate you um, being prepared. And I also appreciate you taking the time to have a chat on the How to Die Happy podcast. We are honoured to have you uh, on as a guest. So thank you so much. So I thought I might dive straight in with quite a quite a profound question, I, I imagine. And I, I would love to know your perspective on how to die happy. Well, the first thing, Martin, especially after a long life, is that uh, it's not a matter of me dying, but rather the world dying out of me. Would you care to elaborate, sir? Well, think back to your childhood. What happened? What's happened to it? You grew up, didn't you? You grew up, became a schoolboy. What happened to that? You grew up, you graduated, left it behind. And so it is through all the stages of life. And finally you grow up out of this world. That's a wonderful perspective. And so that's a version of death. But what about the happiness aspect of it? Well, dear, you, you've chosen really the wrong man to talk about happiness. Because <laughs> I've never considered myself a happy man. <laughs> in fact, for much of my life, <laughs> I considered myself one of the most unhappy men in the world. And it's not really a word in my vocabulary, happiness. <laughs> and I've always rather, rather sort of, um, well, I'm, but I, in fact, knowing I was going to be on this podcast, I really scratched my head the last few days trying to think of when I have been happy and the things that make me happy. <laughs> so I've done a bit of homework for you. Um, Thank you. Just repeat your question again, so I'm just keep on the right track. How can we die happy? How can you die happy? Well, I, I, I repeat what I said before. The, the fact is, you don't die. Well, it, you die if you mm -hmm. think you're going to die. That, of course, is the point. It, it, what, it, it depends on what you've been doing with your life and 
and how you've lived your life to whether you prepared or not. Um, you know, when I was a, 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 a little boy, my granddad used to say to me, live as if, no, work as if you'll live forever, live as if you're going to die tomorrow. So uh, I'm not sure that that sank in when I was a little boy, but but I I certainly have uh, lived with death throughout my life, particularly as a farmer, when I was constantly confronted by death, and 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 thought very much about it, and 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 and, and, and how how can how can we prepare for death? How could I prepare my animals for death? Um, the death of the, the plants and the vegetables that I grew when they were harvested. What's it all about, anyway? So I, it's been very much in the forefront of my mind, death. Um, how to die happy? The question isn't really big enough. Um, I, I think that's really why I'm not too keen on the word happiness, because it's not big enough. There's more to life, uh, and happiness seems too small and uh, and uh, and uh, superficial a thing, really. Um, when people talk of happiness, it, it doesn't really make much impact on me because it usually consists of of things that, for me, uh, really don't add up to much and are not particularly what I want. I suppose I haven't sought mm. for happiness because I've always sought for the depth, the greater depth than just appeared as happiness. It's all for love and freedom rather than happiness. Well, you make a very interesting point there. I suppose the word happy uh, can be misconstrued by many. And Indeed. it is very much down to perspective. I know, yes. I, I don't know if you know, you remember Alan Watts, the philosopher, and he wrote a book called The Meaning of Happiness. Yes. And actually, the original title for that book, which the publishers changed, was The Anatomy of Acceptance. Well, so when I think uh, of happiness... Sorry, go. Go on, go on, go on, go on. Well, I was just going to say, when I think of happiness, I don't think of the superficial no. of stuff, you know, the things I own or... or mm probably what many other people do consider to be happiness. <clears throat> I did once. I, I, I did you I was in business and I I I thought that happiness was to own nice cars and to have nice houses and to have nice things and, and all of that sort of stuff. But um but actually I'm very much more aligned now with where Alan Watts was leading when he talks about the anatomy of acceptance. So I suppose if we didn't talk about happiness, perhaps we should talk about acceptance. Perhaps that's a little more interesting place to start. Well, all right. Um, perhaps I would I would counter that, and perhaps um, look to how we could uh, overcome unhappiness um, or acceptance. Well, it's all six of one half a dozen of the other. It's the same thing. How do we come to terms with life? Um, how is it that at the end of life, I'm apparently not at the end of life at all. I'm merely, I'm merely <laughs> greying out of kindergarten, as it were. <laughs> 
<laughs> growing <laughs> out of this of this eighty odd years schooling in what life is not <laughs> in, the, in 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 mortality in the in the life that comes to pass the life that doesn't keep its promises hmm? the life is the life that's happy one day and sad the next it's all ups and downs isn't it and uh, and you're jolly lucky if you get through to old age without quite a number of things wrong with you <laughs> isn't that true um, in all sorts of sort of levels mental emotional and of course above all physical the, 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 the decay of the you know there's an old saying, uh, old age isn't, isn't happiness. Starus neoradus in Russian. Anyway, um, so how do we come to terms with life? We come to terms with death. Well, well, well. I'm a countryman. I've always lived in the country. I was born in the country. I've been a farmer. Most of my active years, I'm used to the open fields. I'm used to being surrounded by space, space and silence. That's my sort of natural home, where I've observed the seasons, the things that come to pass, rise and fall, don't they? Life comes and dies out. It's just natural cycles, isn't it? So there is exceptions. You come to see life and death is. Just a normal opposite of life. And yet there's more to it because the context in which this play takes place is unchanging. The space, the silence of the fields are the same. I go out now as an old man and it's the same as it was when I was a child. Space is the same. The sky is the same. At night the stars are the same haven't changed at all, have they? And all this drama, this performance of what we call life, it just comes and goes, it comes to pass. So I think from quite an early age, I, I began to get that sort of perspective on things. But of course, <clears throat> you know, I was, I got involved, I fell in love many times, and um, these things get you very much engrossed in the transitory world, you, you forget that it's transitory, you, you think it's going to go on forever. And so when things break down or don't work out as planned, you get upset and disappointed and unhappy. And I've certainly had my share of deep unhappiness, mostly was concerned with love, as it is for many people. How on earth can you sort of navigate this this uh, business of love <laughs> without getting uh, into trouble, without disappointment. <laughs> of course, it's marvellous. It was all when it starts, the honeymoon period, <laughs> but it doesn't go on forever, does it? A few people are lucky, <laughs> but, but a lot, awful lot, it sort of things go wrong. Um, mm. How do we deal with that? Well, of course, this, if you... Uh, if you, I learned to meditate when I was um, when I was twenty six. I've been meditating regularly for nearly sixty years, twice a day. And the great thing about meditation is that 
the space, this space of the open fields, the space of the stars and the sky, which I loved as a young man, you discover within yourself that same spaciousness, the infinite space, infinite, which you can, which I now confidently say, space, stillness, presence, spirit. There is one end, one is one beginning, another end. So what is God anyway? As if anybody knew. But, but, but it's in that sequence, isn't it? The eternal unchanging. And as we uh, become better acquainted with this, it gives us an inner stability which enables us to, to take, not necessarily to like, but to take the ups and downs of life in our stride. Um, it's hardly happiness, but it's a, you become content. It, it, it's a, and the other thing is that, that you come to see the lawfulness of it all. And, and that our unhappiness is really because we, we lose our connection with the eternal unchanging and we get caught up in the transitory world of good and bad, like and don't like, here today and gone tomorrow. So we are pulled this way and that, and at the mercy of circumstances, which is not uh, consistent happiness, it's and downs. So um, as I've uh, grown into the eternal unchanging, I've also, thank God, largely grown out of the world that comes to pass. And in that there is, there is, uh, well, completion, completion. That's quite beautiful. Do you, do you think that that, and I'm going to say acceptance for the, for the sake of trying to sum up all of that, all of everything you just said then, do you think that acceptance of your place in the world of, in a realm of duality has uh, developed over you, over the, all of your lifetime or were you lucky to have this perspective because you started meditating in your 20s, you say. Uh, I, I've never been one to look for, for things. I never read very much either. I wasn't too keen on, on books or human teachers. I just, for me, it's been more a matter of what I love. And I loved the fields. I loved, I loved, I loved, uh, I've been lucky. I've traveled a lot. I've, I've been in, spent much time in the deserts and the, great open spaces of this world. Thank God before tourism took off like it has now, like I was on my own. <laughs> and uh, and uh, um, again, I'm, wand I'm wandering off what, what you asked me. Um, no, don't worry. Well, I suppose I you was... You just pulled me back to what you said. Yes, I was, I was wondering when you came to this realization, if you could pinpoint a time. Well, you well, I haven't, dear. I'm still. You don't. In this life, you see, this is one of the deceptions of life that we reach anything, or we become something, or you become wise or happy or something. Of course, you don't. 
it's a long, long, long transition. You, you get a bit and then you fall again. You know something. This is why you can never trust what we call knowledge because you know something today and next week you, you find something else, you see, and you realize you were just a fool before. And, and, and you just move, move up the ladder of foolishness, you see, of not knowing, basically. And, and, and <laughs> whatever you think you've achieved, <laughs> you'll be knocked off your perch tomorrow. So uh, <laughs> you stop being fooled by that sort of thing. <laughs> I like that, but 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 you also see, <clears throat> you see, there's huge comfort <clears throat> in realizing the lawfulness of everything. You've only just got to consider the grass and and, and the very dust beneath your feet to see how every grain of dust is perfect in its place in its order. Every leaf and stick on the ground is perfectly ordained. There's nothing in this life that isn't according to perfect law. And you see, where we start getting it wrong is because we we abandon our original home, which is this wonder, this spiritual oneness, and we fall into separation. We fall into what's called the ego, which is I me and my. You see, from the very, you've only got to observe a little child in its pram reaching out and saying, I want. You see, that's how it starts. And the parent says, oh, this is yes or no. That's how it starts. Um, and the whole, all this world of confusion and conflict is really multiplication of this primal separation from source and that and that and everything all the unpleasantness the walls the difficulties in this world are basically that so it all starts off from from me falling me thinking i know better very often just like the story of adam in, in genesis in the garden of eden who separate leaves the presence of God and so lives in absence from paradise. And so you're searching for little bits of paradise here, there, and everywhere, and they all have been lo they're lovely for a while, and then something happens, and, and you're, you're out in the dark again. The only true um, answer for man is really to come back to paradise which is not of this world. As Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not of this world. This world comes to pass. That is its nature, as any fool can observe. Yesterday and gone tomorrow. Yes, paradise is eternal. This is, this is, a, this is not a, an outward and physical thing. It is a spiritual. It's when you come into spirit. With, when you've got these eyes of flesh, you see, see flesh. They see mortality. You've got to learn to, 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 to work with your, with your inward part, the heart, what's called the heart. And then you begin to discover the higher, the higher reality. We live in a low state of consciousness, you see, and there's higher, higher levels of consciousness. And it's as we discover higher levels of consciousness that we discover home, where we really belong. Home, that's what we're all really yearning for. The infinite love that never says no, you see, the freedom and home. And we're all walking one another home, aren't we? 
we're all groping in our own ways towards liquid and you see we what we <coughs> we pick up little bits of this and that along the way little bits of home little bits of love and happiness and goodness you know all these bits and they're, they're jolly good for a while and they point us in the right direction but uh, but they, just like we see we talk about death you want to say how to die happy well the answer is you don't die but this has to be realized and the question like all questions just melts away in oneness in the oneness of pure being there is no question questions belong to this world of duality so why do you think we are here john not on this in this conversation why do you think we're here on earth at this time Maybe as a little boy, I stretched out my hand and said, uh, I want. I don't know why we're here. Maybe, maybe we're here for a lesson. Why do little children get sent to school? Because <laughs> their parents think it'll be good for them. Maybe that's why we're here. We're just at, in school. That's exactly what I call, I call life earth school. That's my, that's my nickname for it. No, I think it's a good description. In the Bible, there's the story of the, of the prodigal son in the Bible. He wanted to uh, go his own way, didn't he? For those that don't know the story, um, it's told by Jesus on his great parables. Um, there's a a certain rich man that had two sons and one of them, the younger, said uh, uh, give me my inheritance, I want to go off and see the world, so the father did that and off he went to to, uh, to indulge in happiness yeah. try the wine, women and song all that <laughs> and spent all his money ended up, in, ended up feeding, the, feeding the pigs and uh, starving he thought Time I went, he came to his senses. Very interesting phrase. Came to his senses. I better go home and apologize and ask, ask Father to take me back, which he did. And that's the story. It applies to all of us, doesn't it? Mm. It's a wonderful story of forgiveness. Oh well, forgiveness is certainly a fact because because the sky. Every time you look at the sky, no matter how many nasty things you. Thought or said, the sky doesn't punish you, does it? The, the, the infinite silence never criticizes us, does it? You know, the, the, the real things of life, um, or the big things, you know, the bigger it gets, and of course, ultimately to what we call God, there's no judgment in that. It, it's, uh, the judgment is, is, the, is the functioning of the law down at this level here. Just like which way the wind's blowing determines where the leaf will fall. This is, and you see, every, every bad thought, every 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 uh, thing we do that transgresses the basic law of oneness has a result, ripples out, and has an effect. And so the world goes from bad to worse. It's all our fault. The only one to blame is me. It really is so. The worst thing you can do is blame anybody else. It always starts from here. Because when you get your own perspective right, you see, when you're looking from 
a higher level of consciousness. But you simply do not see dark. It doesn't exist. It's like a, like a bad dream has passed away. Like when the sun rises, what happens to the dark? It just so where it says you rise in consciousness, you don't see any bad. It simply doesn't exist. Mm. So the, the answer to the to, 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 to the world's problems is to work on yourself. I find the you know, I love the saying to make whole be whole is when you look out on the world from wholeness. That's what you see. You don't see division, you see the oneness. That's how to help the world, my dears. There's another version of that, which is be the change you want to see in the world. Well, you've got to grow into it. You know, we're yeah. all, you, we pick up these sort of phrases when we're young and say, ah, oh, bingo, I know what to do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what does that mean? Pride cometh before a fall. <laughs> well, I, I love what you said earlier on about knowledge, about learning being as impermanent as everything else, because, of course, yeah. change, impermanence is, is the one universal constant, isn't it? And it's a, it's a wonderful reminder that while we may learn and and feel as though we truly know something now, that may well change. You mentioned silence earlier on, and I I wondered, yes. what does silence give to you? <laughs> what does silence give to you? There are two worlds, really. <coughs> the world of what you could call the world of unity and the world of, when you yourself use the word, duality. Now, all description belongs to the world of duality. Because when you describe something, you put it in a little box with words, meanings, which is different to anything else, isn't it? This is how we live in this life by distinguishing one thing from another. So when you take something like silence, which is eternal, and try to describe it, you are, you are it's no longer silence, is it? you are bringing it down to a lower level of existence, you're bringing it down into duality. This is why you can't describe any of the real things in life. You can't describe silence or space or presence, or love, or freedom, or peace, or spirit, at least of all, God. Isn't that so? Mm. And when you too try to describe it, you always diminish it. Therefore, silence is a, is is a, is a sort of non-contentious and very simple sort of first step in this progress towards the infinite. Most people, you know, if you start talking about God, people, some people will have their own concepts of it and different concepts will 
acceptable or not acceptable. If you stay to silence, it keeps it simple and acceptable. I, I, I love silence. It, uh, yes, I do. I've always loved silence. I don't like talking, really, and noise. I suppose because the fields are silent and nature is silent. And, uh, well, it's just not, not because there's sounds of nature, of course, all the time, but, um, but it's sort of held in a greater silence. Uh, I somehow silence is a safeguard against foolishness. Once we open our mouths, we tend to start speaking silly. I don't really trust the tongue. That's very wise. Yes, I'm safe with silence. But when you meditate and you you immerse yourself in the silence, do you see do you see silence therefore as the unified field or uh, an example of source of spirit? <laughs> In that, that pause, is it is it is it that obvious that actually any moment we are silent and we just consciously breathe, that we are actually in the presence of divinity? It's only really in the last few years when I find myself on a, you know, on a, on a uh, um, public platform like this that, that, that I get asked these sort of questions and I don't really know how to reply because. I think for most of my life, I haven't even thought this way. <laughs> I still do. I just find it natural to be silent. I find it more natural to be silent than talking, really, and or trying to figure out what yeah. silence is. I suppose, um, yes, I, I think silence is natural, really. And uh, and when I when I was young, you know, there were. It was a time when all sorts of things were things like people forget that things like machinery and chemicals and photography and economics and all these things they were all sort of newfangled ideas that have come in in my life. You know, when I was a little boy, they didn't exist, these things. Hmm. Photography was very much, you know, people regarded it with some suspicion as sort of <laughs> bastard art and you know, stealing, stealing reality. People didn't like, a lot of people didn't. I never did. I've never had a camera in my life. Never liked it. It's, uh, you know, machinery, it wasn't. As a farmer, everything was work done by hand. There were more horses than tractors on the farm. Now people can't imagine farming without machinery, without chemical aids. They didn't exist when I was young. It was all, um, you know, I'm wandering off. What was your question, dear? Can you remember? Well, no, I, I, I don't think you were wandering off, actually. I think you were, you were providing a wonderful example of, of what I was trying to get to. And, and I'll just come back for a second and unpack it. The reason why I, I suspect you are constantly asked these kind of questions uh, on these kind of platforms now, I, I think is, uh, is probably because the everyday people in society now are, are surrounded by technology and distraction and noise. Yes, yeah. And actually, the, a lot of people are very uncomfortable with silence. And certainly uncomfortable in themselves. 
yes, 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 I'm back on track now. Yes. Um, <clears throat> so um, it, it was a very common expression to sort of say natural and what was called artificial, you see, or natural and unnatural. <laughs> and of course, man's whole problem, particularly to a sort of ever-increasing degree, we simply become unnatural. And this is why we're basically not happy, because we're not being natural. And, and you know, people, people make d d desperately hard attempts to be natural by sort of eating <laughs> natural food and, you know, trying to be natural, <laughs> which often sort of ends up more unnatural than, than anything. Being unnatural, but, but, um, the irony. But it's certainly, we're sort of, sort of reaching out in the right direction instinctively. We're yearning to get back to nature. And... Um, Jolly good thing too, and uh, and uh, we'll find discover that net, net silence becomes more natural as we gradually become more natural. You only got to look at the sea and, and look at the trees. You're comfortable with silence. You know, the trees speak, speak, indeed they do, but 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 in a but not you know, in this clumsy verbal way. There, there are many levels of communication. In fact, I'm sure many of you know that in real meetings with real people, very often the best communication is silence. You don't need to speak. You can look in their eyes and you get more words. I had a lovely conversation with someone just two or three days ago. Um, after we'd said hello, we just sat there. Bye. About ten minutes later, bye bye. Absolutely beautiful. Couldn't have, couldn't have expressed more. Words seemed sort of almost from another world, a world of clumsiness and misunderstanding. Mm. I love silence. I have a Zoom meditation thing, and um, a couple of dozen or so of us just sit in total silence. Beautiful. One of the best things I do, I think. You couldn't be closer. You just can't be closer. Love cannot be purer than the silence. How does God love us? In silence. You see, you can feel it now, can't you? I can, very much so. And, I, and uh, silence is something that I didn't have for a long time in my life. I was a very busy mm. person in busyness. And um, as I, I was telling you before we began the interview, I, I was drinking a lot and using drugs mm. with a very unhealthy lifestyle. And actually now where I'm at in my life and where I live, I live in on the island of Bali, as you know, I, I often just sit and, and enjoy. And as you say, it's not silent because there are, Mm, probably mm. seven or eight different species of birds and a monkey or two my mm. two dogs that mm, you can hear mm. in the background cockerels mm, mm. <laughs> the wind through mm. the trees mm. but it's silence and it's beautiful it is beautiful in fact when I was thinking back um, before we started I tried to think of times when I'd been happy I can't really remember any particular times when I've been in in company, 
for people, really, that I've been particularly happy. I'm not for anti-people, but I'm not very pro-people either. <laughs> I'm used to my own company. <laughs> and I, think, I think when I've been at sea, I look back on my time in the deserts as the highlights of my life, really. Solitary. I think I've never been happier than, than totally. Well, the point is that when you're not solitary, this is the whole point, you see. I've always been much more lonely in the company of people than alone, because when you're really alone, you cannot be lonely because you're, you're connected with a deeper reality, which is the very opposite of loneliness. It's oneness. Yes, that's what happens. See, it's this, in this world, see, when we're talking to people, you're separate. I'm talking to you. Or I love you. It's separation, isn't it? So we're always mm. trying to find ways of getting closer or getting further apart if you don't like them, you know, or arguing or something. Mm -hmm. but, but when you come into real silence, which is undivided, that's right, it's undivided, isn't it? As all these real things are, silence, stillness, space, they're undivided. Then even if you're sort of not really philosophically, or sorry, if you're not really prepared, instinctively, you're comfortable. There's no contention there. You're at one, you're at rest. Um, and yes, I find, look back on my desert experiences at times of supreme um, completeness, maybe. Wholeness, yes. Wonderful. And, and then meditation, of course, has developed over 60 years or so. I've gone through many, many stages of meditation and... Um, but basically, it's all in that direction. It's, see, the less of me, the more of God, which is completion. Um, and when I asked you the question a while back, I asked you, what does silence give to you? And actually, by the sounds of it, the answer is everything. Ultimately, ultimately. But you see, we, we need to learn how to become acquainted with it to begin with. Many people are frightened of silence. They can't. They can't switch off their, you know, their, mm. their phones or can't stop talking. I mean, people are. It's a disease, really. The, the, this compulsive noise that people live with. They've got to be listening to music or something all the time, and and it takes many many years to decondition. But um, what I found meditation does is in the gentlest possible way. It doesn't sort of. It's not a matter of turning off or stopping anything. It's a matter of introducing, introducing something. Just to, to begin with a little, little taste of something preferable, something that in contrast is attractive and nice. And that's what people make people go there. I don't believe in, in trying to compel anything or direct anything. Much better just simply uh, find something better and then instinctively you go in that direction mm. like a trail of sugar 
John, we have a, a segment on the How to Die Happy podcast, which is called Be My Guest. And we invite the listeners of the show to send in questions for forthcoming guests. And we have two questions from our audience for you today. And I wondered right. if I may be so bold as to, uh, as to play them and see what, what you have to say to these people. Be my guest. Let's talk, my friend. Let's talk, my friend. This is not the end. Now we do we have two questions, John, today from Faith and from Tom. So I'd like to thank them both in advance for the questions. But before I ask the questions, uh, before I play the questions, it happens that they're both questions about meditation. And I hope you'll forgive me, but I would like to share your poem, Clouds, with our audience, because I think it's quite relevant. And then perhaps we can play the questions. So now please excuse me, I'm going to read your poem and hopefully I won't uh, dent it as, a, as, a, as I share it with the audience. So this is Clouds, a poem by John Butler. Unmistakably up in the sky, the sun is obscured when clouds pass by. With this natural fact, I'll endeavour to show how problems of life can diminish and go. For problems arise when we take by mistake changing scenes for our permanent state. Within each of us shines a similar sun, dependent on nothing, beholden to none. In all things sufficient with freedom and bliss, it's there from our birth, and it's what a man is. Now that you may query, but look and you'll find how your sun gets hidden by clouds of the mind. What a beautiful poem, John, I must say. Now, I'm going, to, I'm going to just play the first question for you. Hi, Martin and Jules and John. Uh, my question for you, John, is that I, well, I struggle to create a habit to meditate. Um, I love meditating when I actually do it, and I do get a lot out of it, but I can't seem to kind of remember to do it. And I wondered if you had any tips for <laughs> creating a bit of a ritual around it um i guess especially when traveling because i'm traveling at the moment and yeah moving from place to place i find it hard to remember so any tips would be great thanks bye thank you faith what a wonderful question how can we remember to meditate john <laughs> well faith when i as a young man when i went to asked if i someone who teach me to meditate I was asked a question, what do you really, really want in life? What is your heart's desire? Now, Faith, if you ask yourself that question, you don't have to tell me what the answer is. You know it in your own heart. It will take you a little while to, to, to realise what it is. If you bear that in mind, that may help. Because most of the things that get in the way and prevent you meditating are not really what you most, most want. 
to keep your priorities in place. And the second thing is it is really important to begin with to establish a habit. Just like you clean your teeth every morning, go to the toilet and uh, have your first drink of the day or breakfast. Just something you do, good habit. And you do it whether you want to do it or not. I'm sure you often you don't want to clean your teeth, but you do it, it's just automatic, isn't it? I'm going to the toilet. So that's the way to establish meditation. And, uh, and regu regular practice is much more important than uh, sort of long intermittent session because you see it's the regularity, the water on the stove, the drip, drip, drip that does the work. Often you won't, often you don't want to do it. I don't. Sometimes I'm, I, oh God, I'm trying to meditate again. I'm tired or my legs hurt or something. I don't want to do it. But I'm not pretty good. I do. I make myself sit down, e even though I spend the whole time thinking or fall asleep. Or I do sometimes. And uh, just, just soldier on, my dear. And, and occasionally, you, from time to time, it'll open up and you'll realize what it's all about. And you'll feel, ah, I'm on the way to what I really want. But it doesn't happen. It's, it's work, dear. It's hard work. Lifetime work. I've been doing it for. 60 odd years now since I learned to meditate as a young man. Being one of the cornerstones of my life, one of the best things I ever did. Keep going. All the gold, all the, the uh, you know, there's one thing that, uh, that distinguishes a, a wise man from a fool determination there. Keep going. Keep plodding along the stony road. That's the way. Good luck to you. God bless you. That's wonderful advice. Thank you, John. Okay, we have a second question for you, which is also about meditation. Hey, Martin. Hey, Jules. I hope you're both well. Yeah, I have a question for John, which is when you're meditating and you're doing your practice, how do you distinguish between what you might consider to be like abject thought or daydreaming and what feels more like, you know, your intuition or um, like messages or downloads, people like to call them from like source or the universe. Uh, something I notice in my own practice is, um, yeah, I guess difficulty in distinguishing between when I'm sort of listening to my intuition and like things are coming through or if I'm just uh, daydreaming. So I'd love to know your thoughts on that and any insights. Brilliant. Thank you, Tom. So, so Tom wants to know um, how can we distinguish the difference between daydreaming and, and message from source? <laughs> I wonder if you, where you are, Tom, if you look out of your window, what do you see? Um, do you see clouds in the sky? No. What happens? Even if the sky is overcast, thick with clouds, what happens? You get in the aeroplane. There's all the kerfuffle at the airport, all the busyness, papers and things. Get in your aeroplane and you go up. First through the clouds, don't you? Goodness me, you can't see a thing. Then gradually the plane goes up, the clouds get lighter and fluffier and 
little sort of wispy things. And, oh, goodness me, what happened? What's up there beyond the cloud? Now, that's what meditation is. Meditation is just like getting in an aeroplane here. Your method of meditation is simply a sort of aeroplane. You get in it, you sit back in your seat, and just let it go up. And you pass through, you see, thoughts, all thoughts and things are just a, just a layer, the layer of the mind. You can think of it rather, rather like your tummy. Your tummy is digesting food, isn't it? And you sit here talking to me and you've forgotten about it. It's just digesting your breakfast, isn't it? Just getting on with the job and you know it's okay. Well, the mind is really just a, just a, a mental digestive system. And uh, it's processing all that you've received throughout your life, all the, the, the vibrations that are the world's whole pack full of it. So you can't possibly avoid it. And, um, and, and the cloud, the clouds of the mind are just going through this process of dealing with it. So it's a entirely natural sort of layer of consciousness. Hmm? And it serves its purpose. And beyond the clouds, oh, there's the open country out there. Too. And, uh, and you know, all these messages and things, they're all just the mind. Yeah. You get up free, what do you want messages for? You're free. What do you want messages for? That's all just the mind. But the higher bits of mind, they're still the mind. Real meditation doesn't bother with messages. That's just a, we're always wanting things, aren't we? We always try to want to put spirit in little pots and boxes of intuitions and that. Go beyond it, dear. Whatever you comes into the mind, go beyond. That's 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 the most important word in meditation. Go beyond, 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 beyond. Don't fence me in. Get that sort of feeling. Reach for the sky, my dear. Don't 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 mess about with thoughts or descriptions or words. This belongs to the world of duality. Freedom's freedom, freedom. You don't need anything else. Oneness, oneness. You can't describe oneness. Nobody can. Now, what may happen <clears throat> is that, <clears throat> assuming, of course, it takes many, many years of practice to be able to fly up there into the top skies. I don't expect you can do it <laughs> to begin with. <laughs> I've been practicing for many, many years. <laughs> I can tell you, it doesn't always happen to me. But um, <laughs> um, as you come down again, you see, then you enter into into the little wispy bits of clouds, you see, and you carry with you, maybe, maybe, maybe not, usually not, something beyond, which may then manifest as, a, as something from what you might call higher mind, as an intuition, before it comes down further and gets more and more complex and sort of crystallized, as it were. But it's still the mind. Meditation is, is 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 really union. Is oneness. is oneness. It's complete. Nothing to say about. Okay. Thank you, John, and thank you, Tom, and thank you, Faith, for your questions. Keep going. Whatever comes into your mind, my dear. Let it go and go beyond. No matter what visions you have, marvelous visions of Jesus and angels and things, 
They're just reasons, dear. Go beyond, my daughter. Beyond, beyond, beyond. Go for the jackpot. <laughs> the jackpot of nothing. <laughs> well, nothing, you see. We talk about nothing. It's, it's everything. The, the, the no thing, you see. Exactly. The no thing is reality. That's the, that's the true, true word. That's re that is reality. Mm. Things are limitations. You see. Things are the world. Everything is the world of this world. The very best of something, usually, or rather, the very best of. Oh, I can't get this right now. Now, it was. I'm trying to uh, paraphrase a, a, a chap called Benjamin Hoff, and he wrote a book called The Tao of Pooh, and it's uh, it's all about Taoism. <clears throat> Excuse me, but he uses uh, Pooh Bear and Pooh Bear's friends and Christopher Robin, and I think he says Pooh, Pooh Bear is essentially presented as as the Zen master, because if you think about about it. Pooh Bear spends a lot of time wanting to do nothing. And uh, by the time you finish the book, you realize that Pooh Bear is an absolute Zen master because <laughs> he, finds, he finds the magic, the absolute essence of the magic in nothingness. Anyway, I misquoted the book. Nevertheless, so John, I had another question for you. This is... on. On a, along the same lines of the conversation we were just having, what does it mean to be present? Look, feel your feet on the ground. The end. What else? There doesn't have to be anything else. Feel your feet on the ground, my dear. Listen. <clears throat> If you want more, you can listen and look, which connects you with what is around you. You'll then be in the room, you'll then be present. If, you think, if you're thinking, you'll be absent. Sure, sure, eggs is eggs. Just look at, look at your dog or the, the cows and sheep in the field. Learn from them. Use your common sense. If people don't use your common sense, they're not present. Common sense means looking and listening primarily for us. The other senses don't function enough. If you look and listen, of course we don't. We say, I am looking, but you're not. We have eyes and don't see. You may look with 1% of attention. People say, I'm you know, feet on the ground, but you're not aware of it. 100%, my dear. Now then. If you can get from 1% to 2%, you're doing very well. Mm -hmm. And next month, if you practice, you might get up to 3%. Keep going, dear. At the end of a long life, you might be 50% present. Now then, have you ever met a person who's really present? You probably explode. <laughs> we simply don't know what it is to be present. If you're present here, one thing for sure, you wouldn't have any more questions. Just try it for yourself. What's so difficult here and now? Feet on the ground. Bottom on the chair. Listen. And look. 
give you a side. But still, the infinite present, undivided, beyond doubt or question. There is no dark at all. Not only are you free of weight, you are free of darkness. Eternal life. You see, the world with all its problems, it simply dies out. I'm doing this on a screen. You try to practice that idea. Be present. You see, God is present. The Bible's full of, of phrases like God is a present help. God is with us. God, this this spiritual, see, invisible present. You can't not be in it. We're in it like fishes in the sea. You don't have to believe it. Or you don't have to have faiths or religions and things. It's just common sense, isn't it? All you've got to do is just be present. And you're then in, in the presence of God. And you realize that the whole human problem is that we are absent. We're not present. And this is why everything goes wrong. And this is this is to come back to our original sort of question. You see, this is why we're not happy, because we're incomplete. Come back to being present, and you're complete. There's no division. When you look at this world, you see the entire world it has sort of is crystallized absence from the presence of God. It's fallen into matter, things that matter. We think it matters, X, Y, and Z. Come back here. In truth, there's a spirit. Spirit is undivided. Hence, Adam was singular. Adam in the Garden of Eden was singular. He lived in harmony. He lived with God. He walked with God. If you want to know how to be happy in India, be present. Beautiful advice, John, and um, sublimely delivered. And you had me incredibly present. So thank you for that <laughs> gift. Gandhi once said, the best way to find oneself is to lose oneself in the service of others. What does service to others mean to you? <clears throat> well, unselfishness, of course, is, is very good. It's in the start of the journey. It'd be a good thing for everybody. One of the first lessons of life is the unselfishness. Um, Service, indeed, good thing. Well, usually, if we
when you love something, you usually want to serve it in some way, don't you? As a young farmer, I saw myself as a servant of the farm. I loved the land. I always wanted to serve it. Um, it's very encouraging that a lot of young people are now realizing our dependency on land and wanting to to serve it in different ways. So an effect of service is that we uh, are less focused on me. So this is a step towards uh, diminishing the power of the ego in the right direction. We start off by usually serving our own self-interest, don't we? What do I want? I want this or that. That's how we start. Then it gradually extends to outwards, to living for others, whatever it is we love. Um, service of, in my case, farming. Um, then it may include more and more of the human scene. Um, usually we serve the things we like to begin with, but as uh, love expands, we might start taking on what we don't like. And um, and serving the whole without uh, judgment. And then finally it gets bigger and bigger and we may end up serving the whole world and even beyond and end up serving for the love of God, love of God, serving truth, serving one, you see. Then you're really meditating, you see, when you, when you serve, you serve God, what it's all about. Your life is, is love, which is love. Because this presence, you see, spirit is love. It's like freedom of peace, spirit. It's another word for it is love. That's what it is. It's that which holds the whole world together. Like the ocean contains all the fishes, you see. It's in spirit. So, uh, that's how it starts. We start off serving what we can serve, what are we are uh, inclined to. But it, uh, it gets bigger. If you're fortunate, it gets bigger, it grows, grows, grows. The first commandment is not to know God, is it? It's to love God. And of course, God includes everything else. Thank you, John. That was a wonderful answer. I was thinking about the John Butler story this morning because I, uh, I, I've been started to read some of your works and I signed up to your newsletter. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I got your your PDF book, and uh, so I read a little bit of your timeline. And you've been an an author, a poet a farmer, a meditator, a traveler. And now, of course, you're a YouTuber, <laughs> which I, I doubt you ever imagined would be on your list of, uh, of things to do in the John story. But I wondered, have you had a good time? Between life as a whole. Yeah. All of these wonderful journeys. You've been around the world. You've been to Peru. You've been to Africa, uh, Russia, Australia. Gosh knows how many other places. 
and you've you've been all of these these different things these different versions of john and i wonder if i wonder if that wound up is that resulted in you being able to say now yes i've had a good time I've certainly had an interesting life. I don't think I'd use the adjective good for it. it uh, I hope I've learned. I've made a lot of mistakes. I've been very unhappy. I know all about depression. I've been in some terrible places. I've seen much tragedy in my life. Um, I've seen it and experienced it. Um, I've wept, wept many tears along the way. I like the description of this life as a veil of tears. I think it's a lot of truth in that. I suppose that's why I'm a bit suspicious of happy people. I suspect they haven't they've got a lot to learn. <laughs> um, good luck to them. <laughs> but uh, see what's next. Um, I feel I've been blessed. I feel humbly thankful for what life has taught me. At the end of it all, I feel an unworthy servant, really. I've done a lot of things wrong in life, and hopefully I've, I've, uh, I've learned what I was required to learn. Thanks be to God. How important is gratitude to you? Gratitude? Well, that's what I've just said. Isn't it? I don't know what else one can do, really, because, you see, the more you realise the... the how bogus I, as an as a individual, am. How inadequate in almost everything I am. I, it's sort of unfashionable now and probably out of date, but I, I do like the word sin. Because sin is basically the word for absence from the presence of God, which is the human condition. Let's not fool ourselves. We're all in this respect. Everyone is sinless. Look at me. You know, another description of sin is whatever dies. Look at this thing. This sin's going to die, isn't it? This is sin. This isn't paradise. Look at me, an old man full of aches and pains. You know, this isn't what I am. This is the false me that I've carted around for 80 years. This body of complexes and desires and unhappiness and all that. Um... Well, it's it's been a good. It's basically, if I wanted to lift my hand, the hand's gone up, and basically my feet have carried me. And it's been a good servant, but it's um, not. Why should I be thankful? Well, I don't really know why I'm here. What did I do? Perhaps my father sent me to school in this life, and. <laughs> I didn't enjoy my school days as a boy. I'm not sure I've enjoyed my school days in this life. I've enjoyed some of them. Yes, a lot of them. I 
I've had my share of happiness and been as happy as most men, I suppose, and probably happier than most, up and down. Um, I'm grateful for this life because it's, because it's, I've learned so much. I'll be grateful to go home now, mm. have a rest. I'm tired. Mm. I don't know. <laughs> well, hopefully we're not going to lose you just yet, John. I think you, uh, I think you have a lot to offer to the world. Well, you see, if I do, uh, Martin, it's ever more obvious that, you see, it's not me. You see, what is a value? It's, um, it's difficult. I can't really describe it, my dear, but, but, Whatever it is that comes out of me of value, I don't really know what it is. It's, it's not mine. It's not for mine. It's really what's called grace. You know, I think it's spiritual sunshine. Really. And, and for those of us that meditate and, and, and are acquainted with this upper, upper layers of consciousness, you know, spirit, Something of that spirit permeate even through this vehicle, and uh, somehow is conveyed. And I, I don't quite know how, but I think that's what people pick up. Thank God. And for that, how can I possibly take credit for that? All I can say is thanks be to God. Mm. It's not really. It's not my choosing. I didn't want to be a public figure. I was pushed into it really unwillingly. I'd be quite happy when it all comes to an end, really. But I'm just humbly thankful if people have found it useful. Let me die in peace in peaceful fields full of weeds and a breeze that's sweet some place where we all grew our own food. In community with friends and family that love the sea and they love to see when I'm doing really good. You know, this is the first podcast I've ever done. Is it really? Dear. I don't think I've ever watched a podcast. I I didn't know what it what it is. Wow. Well, thank you yeah. very much. We. We are doubly honoured. This is why I'm, I'm such a fool with technology. I've never done it before. It's the first time I've ever worn these things too. Well, you're doing incredibly well, sir, I must say. And, uh, and, and I'm in, in immensely <laughs> grateful for your, your time and your energy. Now, where were we before Rachel rang? So we were talking about uh, gratitude and, and, and service to others and... I dare say, whether you know it or not, you becoming an, uh, an accidental YouTube celebrity has put you in, in front of many people who, who need a leg up, who need a little bit of help or motivation or inspiration or clarity. And I think one of the things you do immensely well calmly and and most presently is provide clarity and in that regard mm -hmm. you 
you are helping hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. You are in service to others. Mm -hmm. Who knew you could be in service to others as a YouTuber? <laughs> but you, you are. And uh, it is extraordinary, isn't it? I, I often think, I think that about what I'm doing with this podcast because it, I'm doing this podcast in service to others. It, you know, it doesn't make any money. It's, but it, we now have this technology and these opportunities to, to share these stories and these philosophies or theosophies, if you like, and thoughts with people. And, and, and it often helps people. So, but I love the fact that you are, uh, um, you're quite reticent to do it, <laughs> but it is a beautiful gift, John, I have to say. So what's next? What's next for John Butler? Well, if I pass my exams, I suppose graduation. <laughs> From earth school. I move on to high school. <laughs> move on. Yes, that's it there. Brilliant. To fourth density or fifth density even. Yeah. Well, I suspect, you, I suspect you're going to fl pass with flying colours, John. And uh, for what it's worth, as, as, as someone who's had a, a very short interaction with you, uh, but have, I have enjoyed listening to you and uh, reading your words and, and watching you speak, uh, I, think, uh, I think there's no doubt whatsoever that uh, you, you will uh, pass with flying colours and uh, ace stars for, for all of it. Well, <laughs> you know. <laughs> it's funny those sort those sort of things you know it is odd once perspective changes you for most of your life that sort of praise is is very nice of course we all love it don't we to be a success funnily enough now in old age well i smile at you as you say that it's kind of you know but somehow it um it uh you know i don't possibly say but perhaps all I can dare say is that hopefully there is less of ego in me now, so that less of me to be pleased with being praised, you see. And um, I suppose it's rather like if you said, try to praise the sky, for example, or praise the sunshine or the wind, it, it doesn't really make much sense, does it? Um, it sort of... I appreciate your kindness, but um, again, the only thing I can really say is thanks be to God, because all goodness, all goodness comes from this, you see, which is, which is goodness. As Jesus says, don't call any man good, only God is good, this is right, this is right. And see, all that is absent from God. This is what we call bad. So, so fundamentally, John Butler is a mixture of good and bad, but, but all too often bad in the sense of not being fully present and not being at home in paradise. You see. So in a way, this, this whole world is a shadow 
a second-hand shadow of divine reality. And although it's wonderful because we know no better, but once you get a glimpse of the higher reality, you see ever more clearly that this world is simply not it. And neither is John Butler. It. He's the absent trying to get back home. I suppose that's this instinct I've had all my life. Go home. Must be seen all of us, of course, not just me. Yeah, I don't think I don't think it's I don't think as many people know that as as you might imagine. I I think I, I think we mm. our intuition might nag us often many of us but of course ego could be so strong that ego doesn't want to hear consciousness i've got large mosquito on me um mm. so i think it was a, a wonderful thing for you to to know intuitively that you were on your way home so early on but i completely agree this is an illusion and I'm very interested to know what's next. I've had insights. I had a near-death experience. Well, we can go forth, certainly. <clears throat> In all my years of meditation, I've never had a bad experience. Bad belongs down here. So it's a journey to goodness. So, um, do you know, I learned not so long ago that in the Bible has 365 references to fear not, don't be afraid. Interesting, isn't mm. it? And so much of our lives are ruled by fear. Be not afraid. Because in reality, there's nothing to be afraid of. This world is full of monsters. Nightmares. What happens to the nightmare when we wake up? Not as real as we think, is it? All this world comes to pass with all its horrors and tragedies and ups and downs. And uh, as you ascend, the light shines ever brighter until there's no more darkness at all. Just like when you go into a dark room and switch on the light, what happens to the dark? It disappears. Simple, isn't it? Well, of course, the work is to discover this in reality. Any fool can say this. It's a good idea. <laughs> but <laughs> put it into practice. Realize it. This is what takes time. It's the work. And this is why I think most merciful God gives us 80 years of bumbling around in this world. <laughs> it takes us this long, this long for the message to, work to it sink out. into us. Big stupid heads. <laughs> So that explains the average life expectancy you know, of humankind. I, I'm still learning. You know, Martin, I'm, I'm a spiritual child. I really am. I'm learning every day, my dear. You know, 
the more you know, the less you know. Yeah. <laughs> the end of it all is not to know anything. <laughs> but that in itself is pure wisdom, isn't it? I think to accept that you know nothing. I think so. If you want to give it a name, <laughs> <laughs> to know that you know nothing, that you are nothing. Beautiful. Well, John, I could talk to you for several days, given half a chance. I would certainly enjoy another conversation with you. But I think at this stage we've got to curtail our uh, our podcast. And um, all right, okay. But then. I think uh, I'm I have absolutely no doubt that our audience is going to really love this episode. I've phenomenally enjoyed speaking to you and listening to you, John, and I'm, I'm immensely grateful for your time and your energy and your your love and and for what you are doing it's uh sharing your views and your your wisdom in the way you're doing it is is i've no doubt helping an awful lot of people so thank you so much for your time well thank you martin god bless you dear you've been the kindest of hosts thoughtful and and um well prepared and put me at my ease and uh, made it easy for me and thank you thank you and once again god bless you god bless you too and i hope you enjoyed your first podcast i'm rather pleased now <laughs> <laughs> i know what i'm talking about when i would be mentioned podcast i think you're a true pro well, well wait to see what what appears when when you do whatever you're going to do with it? Yes, I'll do some something. editing and try to tidy up my, my fumbling around through our interview. Can, can, please, please send me a link, will you, so that I can see it? Of course, it. yes. We'll be delighted to share it with you. And it'll uh, it'll be live next, next Thursday, actually. So, yes, I will. Well, thank you again, John. And I'd be, I'm very glad to, 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 to meet with you again. Yes, I'd love again. to get you back on the show. Only, you only need to ask. P uh, to peace and love to you. Thanks. Bye-bye for now. Bye-bye.